You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. Welcome back to a very special episode, at least for me and other U2 fans, of 80s Revisited this week as we talk about U2's rattle and hum, as well as how awesome it used to be to have album booklets with your uh, CDs and cassettes, and also my personal top 10 favorite U2 songs coming right up on 80s Revisited. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. It's a song Charles Manson stole from the Beatles. We're stealing the back. When you get to the bottom, you go back to the top of the slide. And you stop, and you turn, and you go for a ride. Then you get to the bottom. And you podcast again! Yeah! Welcome back to a brand new spanking, brand new spanking episode of 80s Revisited. <laughs> episode 180, if I'm not mistaken, as we yes, talk about our first mm, docu-concert drama type <laughs> film. Let's just call it a documentary, even though it's really more of a concert film. However, it's you two rattle and hum. And as always, I'm your host, Trey Harris. With me as always, the edge to my bono, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. <laughs> And Rattle and Hum was released November 4th, 1988. IMDb gives it a 7.4. Rotten Tomatoes, however, 67% critics, 86% audience. So, however, if it's a movie that's more about the music, is it really, like, are you judging it as a movie? Or are you judging it because you don't like the music? We'll never know. I didn't read the review, so I can't tell you what they talk about. Uh, don't know anything about the budget. However, it did open at $3.8 million. It was number two for the hmm. opening weekend. It was beaten, however, by John Carpenter's classic, They Live, which opened at number one that same week. Uh, domestically went on to gross $8.6 million. Couldn't find any info worldwide or rentals, but I'm sure it made some money, especially overseas in Ireland and England. It was directed by Phil Jeanneau. I'm not sure you pronounce his last name. It's like Joan with O-U at the end. Joan O? Joan O? We'll just say Phil. Uh, he also did State of Grace, <laughs> 3 O'Clock High, which our good friends at Now vs. Nostalgia did uh, one of their last episodes was on that. And also uh, he did one of the versions of the music video for one because there was like three or four versions of that video. And he also did the Punisher Dirty Laundry short. Huh. So uh, he's still doing stuff. Uh, there's no writer because it's a documentary. Right. And starring Paul Hewson as Bono. That's his real name. Uh-huh. David Evans as The Edge. Adam Clayton as himself, and Larry Mullen Jr. as himself. Mm. And special appearance by B.B. King, the late, great B.B. King, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this film pretty much, again, it, it's, it's almost a collection of concert footage. Uh, I mean, there's, the, there's brief interludes with like, them behind the scenes, like before they go on stage, like, come in after, not the first verse, not the second verse, come in after the third verse. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's more like a behind-the-scenes you know, camera following the band around. Yeah, I mean, a couple of interviews thrown in there, but nothing, you know, it's not like, you know, when we decided to write this album, we were, right. you know, we really, you know, you don't really learn much about it, so you're not being informed of much. Does, but it, it, does it lead to something, or is it just like following the band around? Well, 
Okay. Full, I haven't seen full it. Full disclosure, <laughs> U2 is my favorite. Like, if I had to pick a favorite band, U2 has always been, like, my favorite band. So, you will, like I mentioned at the end of last week's episode, this is a lot of ass kissing. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm going to try to be as unbiased as possible, but it's hard because... That's because as someone's listening to this right now, you're probably watching U2 yeah. live. In Dallas! The yeah. first time ever! Like, I mean, look at all these people around you. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> How you doing? I got this weird fat guy next to me who smells like cottage cheese. Oh, fun. But uh, anyway, so uh, I forgot where I was going. Anyway, but the film chronicles the 87 tour for the Joshua Tree, which is funny enough. It's the 30th anniversary of this very tour, which is why they're touring now, and it is the Joshua Tree anniversary tour. So no better way for me to finally see my favorite band, which I haven't seen before because they've skipped New Orleans the past like few times, and I've been reluctant to travel to go to a concert because I'm not a big concert person. It has to be a, the right like the right artist at the right venue for me to want to go see them. Like I still haven't seen Pearl Jam, one of my favorite bands ever as well. But they always play Jazz Fest. I don't want to see them at Jazz Fest. I want to see them headlining a show, you know, in the Superdome or wherever, to where it's you know a little people that are there to see Pearl Jam, not to see the Antwerp or some other band at a festival setting, and then <laughs> don't really know what Pearl Jam sings because they're twelve years old or something. Oh, here's a connection. The cinematographer for this was also cinematographer Blade Runner. Oh wow. <laughs> Good find. Jordan Cronenweth. Yes. Oh, and he passed away in 96, unfortunately. He did the color portion. The guy who did the black and white portions was also working on The Cable Guy. That's funny. Yeah. Because uh, if you're watching it, one of the things about the film is still when it's black and white, it's indoors. When it's color, it's outdoors. Oh, two different shooters as well. Yeah, but uh, anyway, it's chronicling the tour, and their tour this year is for the Joshua Tree. So no more, no more appropriate tour for me to pop my live YouTube cherry mm-hmm. than the one that's based. They're playing the, the entire Joshua Tree album in its entirety is like the the point of the tour. Like I have seen the set list. Thankfully, they do play some stuff earlier stuff, and they play some later stuff sandwiched between the actual Joshua Tree in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much the greatest album of the '80s. So I get to see that live. I'm super excited. Like I said. So anyway, but. Again, this, it's really almost, I don't want to call it a film, because, I mean, it, it is, yes, it is a film, but it's not, you know, if, if you're not a U2 fan, I, I can't say watch it, because there's not really, if you don't like U2, which, I don't know who wouldn't at least like some of the songs they sing, regardless of what you think of Bono, if he's the world's biggest shit, like South Park <laughs> says, you know, that, that's, uh, that's up to you, and that's fine. But uh, this is so much more. This is all about the music. And there's a little, actually, the part you have on right now, Jesse was like, they're like, like what is this film about? And they're like, oh, they're, they're kind of joking. So you get to kind of see the band joke and all that. And he's like, it's supposed to be about the music. And then they go right into the music. So, and it's, you know, this song, 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 talk, talk, you know, short little, like, I'm talking like two minutes. Mm. Like, yeah, we decided to go to Harlem and, and do this song because we got a tape with the choir. So, but if you know the backstory, the film's more poignant to the band because the Joshua Tree is an album of their view of America Mm. of like you know they're now they're immigrants they're coming over here and like there's the mystique of the American West and all this other stuff that's when you listen to the the Joshua Tree in that mindset you kind of see like this illusion and this what they're seeing of America Uh, so you're getting an intimate look at that but this album I mean I'm sorry uh, the album Rattle and Hum which is their follow-up to the Joshua Tree is much more about them. There's covers. There's a lot of covers. Helter mm. Skelter, uh, All Along the Watchtower. There's some originals like Desire and stuff like that. But it's more about like, hey, these are like, you know, this is here's some new stuff. It's almost like they had an EP 
mm-hmm. and then said, oh, we need to follow this, you know, one of the greatest, highest-selling albums of all time up real quick with an album. Here's, you know, five originals, and let's do some covers to make a full album. Is what it, I don't know the backstory. I didn't look up that far to know because uh, it's again, it's like half covers, half originals, and some other stuff like thrown in there. Some live performances, that kind of thing. So you're getting, you know, almost B side. No, I wouldn't say B sides because the songs on the album stand alone, in my opinion. But again, biased, totally biased. Hmm. But I mean, it's just if you like, if you're a live music person, you'll probably like the film because them live. This, that's why I always wanted to see them live. You go see some bands live, and it's just it's like the album that you've listened to a million times. Like these guys just get up there and play the song, and I mean that in the way like n- n- there's nothing different. Whereas in uh, in Rattle and Hum, you have the absolute best version of With or Without You. They add a, another verse. They add a guitar solo, which the solo is awesome in the song. It's only in this film or a live vert or when they play it live. I would assume sometimes. Uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday, and this one's probably the best version of that song. Starts off with just Bono on the Edge, just guitar and vocals. Kicks in with the rest of the band. And if you've seen the movie, then you know that Bono goes on a tirade against the IRA, uh, which nearly got him put on their hit list <laughs> in the time. But, you know, so U2's always been political, too. So it's not just like, oh, they're so... I mean, and by political, we're not talking about, like, you know, fuck Trump and all this, you know, where... They're writing songs about it every single day, and that's all they're about right now. They're more, they've always been political about issues where they're from, hence the war, the entire war album, which if you haven't heard that album, go listen to it, because that that is that is vitrolic U2, just raw, angry youth music. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, that's they're young, they're angry, that they have they have something to say then, and they still have something to say. Granted, it's not the message that, you know. They've evolved as a band, just like Pearl Jam. You listen to Pearl Jam's 10, then you listen to the latest album, doesn't sound like the same band. Nope. At all. But that's, I mean, think about yourself. What did you listen to in high school? What did you listen to in junior high? Music from the future. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had, uh, I had uh, you know, the new, I had. The, I was listening to the new Kanye before he was Kanye. <laughs> yeah, before he was even born. That's, you probably wouldn't know it that's at just, that point. Yeah, that's just how far ahead of time I was. And speaking of ahead of time, you, I've always found that you two, in terms of their musical styles, if you go mm-hmm. back and look at when their albums came out, and then you see kind of where music went after that, they've always been ahead of the curve. Now, <clears throat> a lot of people didn't like their pop album, which it's not my favorite either, but if you go listen to that pop album, it came out like 98, maybe, somewhere around there, late oh, 90s, it pop, it was just called pop. Oh, it was just called pop. And you go, you go from Act Tongue Baby to Zeropa, which you're still having that kind of pop, 97. Uh, you know, but then they went full, they went from ro- a rock band, but you, you can hear that in evolution in their music from Actung Baby through Zarupa into pop, where they went full pop, which is why the album's called Pop. Mm-hmm. Love it or hate it. I mean, it's not their best, but, and then they go, then they follow that up with All That You Can't Leave Behind, like one of their best albums, where they go back to just, you know, I'm not going to say soft rock, but let's just say rock. Pop rock, even a little bit. I mean, they're, they they they've continued to evolve, and it's been hit. Their later stuff's hit or miss with me personally, but you can't take away '80s U2. Arguably, if you want, okay, let's let's break it down. You want to talk about the best band of the '80s? My opinion, bar none. Again, I'm biased, but if you look at the numbers, it's hard to argue. U2 by far. You know, oh, Guns and Roses are, are phenomenal. Yeah, '89. 88. I mean, that, they were the tail end. Look at the entire decade. U2 came to prominence in 1980. 
pretty much. And then it was the sky was the limit. And then into the early 90s as well, they were as relevant. And I would say they're still relevant today. I mean, they're still selling out concerts uh, and everything. But again, full disclosure, I'm biased. If you don't like you too, you might as well just tune in next week. So <laughs> I guess I should have put that in the spammer at the beginning. You know, but uh, anyway, uh, where am I going with that? You know, but, but now, solo artists of the 80s, Michael Jackson, hmm. bar none. But if you want to talk about a band, a group, there's no comparison. Name me another band from the 80s that you can compare to you two in the 80s. 80sVisited at gmail.com. I'm sure my friend Ben in Tasmania will have a few because he's, he's a musicaholic and all that. So let me know if y'all, if y'all have any other suggestions. Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you could say Metallica and all that. But what did Metallica have in the 80s? And Justice for All, Master for Puppets, Master of Puppets. Great albums. But for me, again, I was born in 1980. So I literally grew up with you two. And by grew up with them, it was because uh, I remember being a kid, like really young, and like hearing Sunday Bloody Sunday on the radio. And we went to church every Sunday when I was right. that young. So I was like, ooh, this is like a bad song. Sunday Bloody Sunday. What is this about? Always intrigued. <laughs> always thought, like, ooh, ooh, I'm, oh, this is good. I love this song. And then New Year's Day and all this, and you know, just such amazing, amazing music. And it's just so awesome to see their evolution from a song like this to With or Without You to If God Will Send His Angels on Pop, to their, their modern stuff, it, and, and they're still together. The same four members. Yeah. They've never had a membership change. And to have such class, like, in my opinion, some of the greatest songs ever written, Bono, and to think his style of writing lyrics was, he wouldn't usually write them beforehand, they go into a studio. He, would, he said before that he would, he, would make, he would write the lyrics at the mic. So they come in with the music, and then you know, he would huh. develop the lyrics like that. And he did that until the All That You Can't Leave Behind album because he was talking to Chrissy Hine of the Pretenders. About, you know, he was having some trouble coming up with some lyrics, and she said, well, stop writing them at the mic. <laughs> and that was the first time that they kind of really... Stop doing it the way you've been doing it. Yeah, like try something different. <laughs> yeah. You know, but... God, I love you too. It's just like, seriously, like, always been like consistently my favorite. Like, I've never stopped listening to them when they come out, liking them. And again, music is probably one of the most subjective things for sure ever. But I guarantee you, there is a U2 song that you will love, no matter your, excuse me, preference. I, if you tell me what kind of music you like, I can tell you what songs you might like from U2. They're that varied and different. But uh, anyway, some stuff behind the film. You said you never seen it, Jesse. But I mean, nope. I mean, you're a big music guy. I mean, mm -hmm. do you, you know, what's your opinion on U2? I like U2. There you go. Uh, I don't see. You know, I'm not going to Dallas to see the show. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh... Yeah, I've I've heard uh, a lot of the acoustics that you're talking about, and I really like those. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, uh, that's what. And again, go, that's what I was going for earlier. I forgot. When you go see a band live, you want to. I want to see some. I want to see them live. I want yes. that. I want that raw experience. You know, sometimes the voice might crack, or you know, they don't might, make it sound like something from the radio. Yeah, yeah. Don't I, do Justin Bieber and just lip sync. Because I listen to that on the way here. Exactly. You know. But, like, U2 is the first band to where, when, like, Napster came out and all that, you know, file sharing, quote-unquote, all that sort of stuff, uh, where that's, that's when I got into bootlegs of, like, live performances, which now you go to YouTube, you find whatever one you want from whatever venue and et cetera. But just such, I mean, there's versions of Sunday Bloody Sunday where just the Edge does it himself, just guitar. And, you know, there's other ones where it's just extended intros and they, they change it up they keep it different they do whatever they're feeling at the time and to me that's a big part of live that, that actually that is the core of live music 
It's like, you know, oh, God, let's get up there and do these fucking songs we've done a million times. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, oh, okay, let's go. All right, no. But when you like when you watch the live performances in here, like the, there's emotion, there's and, and talent. I mean, they're they're a band, they're cohesive. It's just fantastic. And it, if you don't want to watch it, just put it on while you're playing video games. Yeah. Or you know whatever. Just you can just listen to it because again, you don't really need to see it. Although the cinematography, there are some fan, some of the best live concert like framing and I mean they caught they caught some spectacular images. For a live concert, a reputable cinematographer. Yeah, two of them. That's what. Hey, that makes a difference, you know, because yeah. you watch like Metallica, some kind of monster. It, it, yeah, that looks cool, but they have a the whole little story running along with it with Dane DeHaan. I don't know if you might if you've seen that, Jesse, or not, but but they go to the concert footage and it's like I mean they got some cranes and all captured, but I mean it's very very produced. Not that this isn't because it it had a budget and it was shot, but I don't know. It just feels raw. Feels more like you're there like you're getting kind of a little peek behind the curtain at some point and then you're also getting an experience like you're watching it but anyway uh let's see uh bono was advised some trivia behind it there's not really much it's kind of a short episode uh anyway bono was advised to cut his quote fuck the revolution speech during the instrumental to sunday bloody sunday which i mentioned earlier from the film it was claimed that ira paramilitaries had added him to their hit lists and the outburst, as he says in the film, was in response to the Inniskillen bombing that killed 11 people, wounded many more, but they kept it in the film anyway. And Bono's still alive, unless he's like Avril Lavigne and was replaced by a duplicate, because that's the current conspiracy theory I keep really? seeing on Facebook. Because I, I like several, certain conspiracy sites and Coast to Coast AM and all that. So that's like the, the big one. Like, was a- Avril Lavigne replaced by a clone? She, did she die? <laughs> Investigating the conspiracy. Oh, come on. Who cares, first of all? Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Come on. Who cares? Yeah. No. There's also a few uh, performances in the film where Bono's arms in a cast. Uh, he actually dislocated his arm by slipping on a wet st- on the stage when it was wet during a concert on the tour. That's why it's in the sling for, uh, during the numbers for uh, I Found What I'm Looking For and Freedom For My People. Uh, let's see. All on the Watchtower was recorded in Justin Herman Plaza in San Francisco in front uh, of what many consider to be the ugliest sculpture in the city. And during that performance, Bono spray paints on it. Rock and roll stops traffic, and uh, he had a uh, he got in trouble for that. He had to write a formal apology and had it had to get it removed within days for whoops defacing the ugliest monument in San Francisco. It's so rock and roll, mate. Whatever. But anyway, and then uh, they were really good friends with Elvis, uh, Lisa Marie Presley, Elvis, Elvis's daughter. Obviously, uh, she was 20 years old at the time of the film, and that's why her she's received a uh, her name's in the special thanks in the credits because she actually gave them or allowed them a per- personal tour of Graceland, which you see in the film, which is one of the more interesting parts because uh, Larry Mullen Jr., the drummer, he's like super, like big, a uh, big, huge Elvis fan. There's a funny scene in the film where he's like, uh, Bono, Bono's talking to the guy like, can we just get a picture of him on the bike? Personal picture. She's like, well, turn the cameras off and we'll, and then the next shot is like them actually filming him on the bike anyway. So... I'm going deep into this clone thing. <laughs> Jesse, I have to intervene. Stop. You have to stop now. This rabbit hole goes on too far. I'm a believer. No. <laughs> and then uh, one of the reasons like, there was a lot of critical backlash to the film, uh, by film critics at least, was because one of the band's goals with the film was to recognize their roots, what influenced them, hence the Graceland stuff and a lot of the, uh, some of the street musicians and bringing on B.B. King for the blues and all that. Uh, which is uh, was not communicated to the press, which led many critics to pretty much misinterpret the homages as an attempt on U- U2's part to have themselves ranked among, quote, ranked among the greats. Which, 
I can see that, but that's not their intent. At least that's what they say. I'm not going to kiss that much ass. You can't, I mean, you don't, you don't, you, you could say anything you want. But the thing that doesn't change is the fact that the music is fucking phenomenal. Let it speak for itself. Exactly. And score wise, this, this, I give it a nine. And I give it a nine simply because mm. the soundtrack. Exactly. <laughs> Again, the best version of Sunday Bloody Sunday, the best version of With or Without You, the best version of Exit, the last song or second to last song off the Joshua Tree album. And they, they do, and they bleed into like Ruby, they do uh, Bad, the best version of Bad from Unforgettable Fire, where they bring, incorporate lyrics of Simply for the Devil and Ruby Tuesday. I mean, all, you know, it's just the, the live vibe when you see them, them live, especially in this era. I mean, this is their prime. This is their prime. Like uh, Doc Holliday said, this is when they're in their prime. I'm Little, in my prime. Got a, got a reference vowel. You see, <laughs> our first like 20 episodes had a Val Kilmer reference the whole time, and we, we dropped that real quick. <laughs> So I'm bringing it back. But yeah, again, it's, it's, not so, it's because of the soundtrack. It's because you can, I can shut my eyes and get the same enjoyment from this film. I actually would rather do that. I'd rather be driving and listening to it than watching it because I've seen it 50 times. Right. You're visualizing it. it. And it was one, this was, you know, I'd play World of Warcraft or I'd play another MMO. I'd put this on the TV so I can listen while I'm playing. That kind of, you know, that, one of those films, you know. We'll have our own movies that we do that, but this was a great one because it's music. So, uh, but anyway, a little bit about you two, just for those, you know, who don't know, or maybe like, I've heard of them, my dad likes them. Well, young, and let me tell you about you two. My grandpa likes them. <laughs> they formed in 1976. Originally, their name was Feedback, and then they changed it to The Hype. Uh, as I mentioned before, their debut album, Boy, was in 1980. 13 studio albums. They've sold more than 170 million records. With 13 studio albums, 170 million, not everyone went diamond, but that's over 10 million. If you break it down per album, roughly, over 10 million per album, which, again, not saying they sold 10 million per album, but I'm just breaking it down with their amount of records sold. Hmm. Uh, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame their first year of eligibility, which was 2005. 22 Grammys, more than any other band, not artist, uh, Rolling Stone puts them number 22 on the 100 Greatest Artists list. The U2 360 tour of 2009 and 2011 is the highest attended and highest grossing concert tour in history. Uh, the Joshua Tree there was their fifth studio album. It was released March 9th, 1987. Uh, it contract like I mentioned before, I, I didn't mention it like this, but this is like a direct like quote, or not quote, but uh, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but they, uh, Summary, let me put it that way. It contrasts the group's antipathy for the real America with their fascination with the mythical America, which is kind of what I said. Uh, 25 million copies sold of the Joshua Tree. In 2014, it was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the U.S. Library of Congress and selected for preservation in the National Recording Registry. Mm. It's uh, the two main singles. It had, I think, four or three total. But uh, With or Without You, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for, strangely enough, are the only two number one singles in the United States that they've ever had. So, but always in England and Europe, that I mean, they're number. That's where they have like their number one singles. But here, strangely enough, just those two off the Joshua Tree. Uh, Joshua Tree received critical acclaim. It tops topped the charts in over twenty countries and became the fastest selling album in British history, according to Rolling Stone. The album increased the band's stature from heroes to superstars. Uh, it took home Grammys for Album of the Year and Best Rock Performance. And the iconic tree from the cover is not in Joshua Tree National Park, which. I thought it was for the longest time, and went to Joshua Tree National Park. And two people have actually died searching for the exact tree in Joshua Tree National for, uh, Forest. 
But it's not. It's in Death Valley. And it was hit by a car for years ago and now rests and rots on the desert floor with the YouTube, U, the number two, U-B-E, which is a lockbox where fans leave notes and stuff for the band, which the band will never read. The YouTube. Yep. So that's kind of just a summary and a, and a little, some facts about the Joshua Tree hmm. and everything. So back to the future this week. As you're, if you're listening to this on Friday, May 26th, around 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m., excuse me, Central Time, I'll probably be watching the Lumineers, waiting impatiently for them to play the one song by them that I know, <laughs> and then get off the stage for you two to play. That's ho hey, I believe. Yeah. That most people know. I mean, I've heard their album. I mean, I've listened to their whole album, but I yeah. can't name you another song off of it. Right. Didn't hate it, but I didn't like hit repeat. There's another song that I used of theirs as inspiration for uh, Cover Me. Really? Yeah, I forgot the name of it by now. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, my top, my personal top 10 favorite U2 songs. Slow it down. That was it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of the Lumineer okay. song. Is that on their same album with the... I don't hey, even know. <laughs> I, think, I think they only have two. This day and age, everything's digital. I don't know where they... Yeah, where, where did it come off? You, yeah. you, see, that's another thing that's gone. Like, days of, oh, shit, the new U2, U2 CD comes yeah, out that's Tuesday. Done. I'm going to the record store. Got it. Let me read these liner no- linear notes. Oh, no, no, no. No one's opening books anymore. Yeah, nobody gives a shit. You know? I remember when... God. Not even PDFs. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes on iTunes, they'll like, you know, free oh, really? bo- digital booklet with purchase. Uh-oh. But it, it's a PDF, and it's like, I'll see, oh, cool cover art. Click, 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 click. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember one of my favorite, like, booklets that came with was a cassette, and obviously eventually CD for Pearl Jam's 10, because mm-hmm. it had, like, the handwritten, it was all stylized. That was, a par- that was a part of the experience of getting an album. Yeah. Back in the day was getting it, listening to it, like, looking through the bo- book, reading the words with it. And they had all sorts of pictures and all that. It was all like handwritten notes. And they'd have like certain... And this is Pearl Jam 10. Okay, so yeah, you had to kind of really listen or get some help from the booklet. Like, what the hell did Vetter say right there? I mean, I mean, what did I just say? <laughs> Unless you know the lyrics to Jeremy, you don't know what I just said. Yeah, but sometimes the cool art... Like, I remember my dad used to print those out and like frame them. Yeah. You know, from albums. Because uh, that, that's one of the coolest, that's the only reason I would ever buy something on vinyl. Actually, that's the only reason that I took from Autumn's mom the album Love Gun by Kiss because the cover art is so badass. And got the little, you know, they sell the record, for the vinyl frames for yeah. records. So that's what I have. I have Kiss the Love Gun in vinyl. And actually, strangely enough, Jesse, you might not remember this, I have a copies of the Joshua Tree vinyl and War, which I gave to my friend Larry for his wedding present framed in the album cover but i got those from a garage sale at your old house not port vincent but your original one you had a garage sale one day <laughs> and i showed us. up and i got them for like a dollar <laughs> uh, give me it back <laughs> <laughs> too late <laughs> too That's late funny but yeah anyway number 10 my 10th favorite u2 song for those of you if you don't like u2 or you've never explored their catalog here's here, here's the 10 ones to start in my opinion from mm-hmm. a lifelong diehard fan uh number 10 in a little while from the All That You Can't Leave Behind album. This song is dangerous. It, this is like, this is a love-making song. Mm. This is a song, like, this is like me, sort of like me and my wife's song. Mm. It's not one of the radio ones. They didn't do a music video for it. When it comes up on our playlist, it's the one like when we're driving, she'll reach over and take my hand because it's... Oh, I thought you were going to take something else. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to confirm or deny that that's never <laughs> happened. But this is a, like, uh, let's get it on, like, mood-type song. 
it will increase the human population. Ah. It's a sexy song. And I don't mean that in like a, you know, yeah, she got that ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not that, no, not that sexy. I'm talking about a... Bump and grind. I, said, well, I think I said what's going on, but I meant, uh, you know, oh, shit, the Marvin Gaye song. Let's get it on. Yeah, yeah. That one. That's the one I meant if I didn't say that earlier. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good get in, get in the mood song. Right. Uh, that, again, that was off All That You Can't Leave Behind in the early 2000s, I believe. Uh, number nine, Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses off Achtung, Baby. Uh, again, another kind of love song, uh, but it's, it's well, not really love. It's, it's, it's more like rejection. Mm. You know, I mean, they, and you should write, they have a song for everything. Whatever mood or whatever you're feeling, there's a YouTube song that will fit that mood or whatever hap- was happened in your life. They're one of those bands, obviously for me, because I know their catalog and have all their albums and that kind of thing. That was my number ninth favorite. Uh, number eight, another track off Actung Baby, Ultraviolet, Light My Way. Uh, some fantastic lyrics in this one. Uh, I'll leave that for you to discover. Mm. If you don't, YouTube fans know what I'm talking about. If you don't, give it a listen. Uh, and then hitting number seven, we'll get to the Joshua Tree, the greatest album of the 80s, as I mentioned before, with In God's Country, which is more, it's just as relevant then as it was today in terms of What's ha- you know it's it's a re- it's again these are outside eyes looking at what Americans what what is America what is it and what is it really so there's that one for you there number six bad off the unforgettable fire which is a song about which actually is again just as relevant today is about substance abuse mainly heroin uh, which is still an epidemic today so even actually it's bigger than it's ever been today in yeah. the United States I mean it, it has been truly officially classified as an epidemic in the United States, opioid abuse. In Baton Rouge, uh, mm-hmm. especially. And that's a song about it written, you know, in 1986? What's the name of the song again? Bad. Bad. Off the Unforgettable Fire. That was written in 84. Okay. What year was war? War was 82? 83? War. Get my date straight. Uh, oh, oh, Sunday yeah. Bloody Sunday, that's the album it's off of. Oh, well, I gotta uh, go back up there. Uh, wait, what are we talking about? The album War, what year did it come out? Oh, uh, it what's the song off of it? Sunday Bloody Sunday, in, uh, New Year's Day, okay. 40. Oh, there it is, 83, okay. okay. I see it up there at the top with seconds. So, yeah, that'll be number six. We'll be bad off the Unforgettable Fire in 84. Number five, back to Act Tongue Baby. With one, everybody you've heard. Everybody knows this fucking song. Yep. Every single person has heard one. That's probably the most. That one and with or without you are probably the most. And all, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Are probably the most commonly known, widespread known songs. I would be willing to bet if I was a betting person. But one. I mean, what's yeah. more to say? You've heard it. It's a. F- I've heard it covered by multiple artists. And it's, I can play that guitar. It's phenomenal. <laughs> I need to learn to play it on my ukulele. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, number four, Sunday Bloody Sunday. I can play this one on guitar. Mm. Uh, still, I mean, like, the only song that gets me more pumped up by them in terms of, like, just, like, passionate, I should say, other than Sunday Bloody Sunday, is number three, which is also off the War album, which is called a song called Like a Song. And there's just, this is like, this is, okay, nowadays when you, you picture Bono, I mean, he's 57 years old, you know, Saving the world from AIDS and all sorts of stuff, which his philanthropic work can't be, you know, underappreciated, regardless what you think about them or what, what they've done and all that. But, I mean, they have 
you know, they've donated a shit ton of money and started a lot of charities. Uh, but this song is just like, I am so fucking mad about what's going on in my country. And like, you know, there's nothing I can do. So, and so, but like a song, this is how I feel. And it's just, this song's awesome. There's a part later on where he talks about like, he's got a, he needs a new heart because his old heart's like tired, but he's going to get a new one, but he's going to make it bleed. Just a fantastic line in the song. And that was number three, so there's only two left, and they're both off the Joshua Tree. And number two, With or Without You, not a love song. We talked about this on the podcast before. Do not play this at a wedding. <laughs> it doesn't belong at a wedding. It doesn't belong at any sort of venue where it's about love. What's it about, Trey? Have you listened to the lyrics, first of all? Listen to what he's saying. Every single word. And then tell me what it's about. Okay? Pause, come back. Okay, you get what it's about? It's about spirituality. You can't li- he can't live... Bono's a Christian, by the way, if, you don't, if y'all didn't know that, but some of the other lyrics from other U2 songs. The whole band's fairly religious for the most part, except I think Adam Clayton, from what I've heard. Catholic and uh, Protestant both, so it's funny because they're an Irish band. Although only Bono and Larry Mullen Jr. were born in Dublin. Edge and Adam were born in England, although they grew up in Dublin, so they're technically Irish for the most part. But anyway, With or Without You is about basically living with Jesus. Yep. You know, it's hard, you, know, you can't live with him, you can't live without him. It's a spiritual song. It's about that internal struggle uh, you know, with, the spirit, with the spiritual and the mortal. You know, what you, you want to do, what you should do. Which, to me, is a, one of the most beautiful songs ever written because not everybody, I hope everybody falls in love at some point in their life, like true love. But everybody deals with internal issues about like at some point in your life you thought god is this all there is what's going on regardless of your religious belief or whatever but that's what this song's about like you can't live with something that's you know expects you to be some sort of ideal and but you can't live without it you don't know he's confused he's asking the question you know what do i do i can't live with or without you but since much like the police's every breath you take which is about a stalker right has been co-opted as one of the great love songs of the 80s no when I'm at a wedding and they play this this song or the police, every breath you take, I roll my eyes like, unless it's a religious wedding. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's, if it's a philosophy conference, <laughs> sure. You know, we're like we're de- you're debating things and meanings of things and all that. You know. So, but number one, the song that I told my wife when we were watching this, like, I'm probably gonna bawl my eyes out when the opening notes of this song hit. As you're probably listening to this, if you're listening to it on Friday, May 26th at around 8 p.m., where the streets have no name. My personal absolute favorite U2 song. It's just when that when that when the opening hits of this song, it's just immediately it's like, oh, I'm just at peace. It calms me. If I when I was like we talked about last week when I was playing Injustice and I was so pissed off, if all of a sudden this song started playing, I'm like, okay, it'll be all right. Cause I'll get through it. And I'll eventually be where the streets have no name. Just, Which is heaven, by the way. You have no power here, Cheetah. <laughs> you have no power here. <laughs> <laughs> then, I, then I lose. And then she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But, uh, Does she yeah. do that when you win? No. Oh, she but, no. South Park Bono comes out like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And they take off his mask and he's the biggest shit in the world. Let's go to that vertigo. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Although, well, you can't, you can't say yeah consecutively that many times in a song because you're going to get ridiculed. <laughs> sure. go, go back to Rob Zombie. Yep. Yeah. More yeah. human than yep. Yeah. 
you know, the chorus, yeah, and then Little John, yeah, 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 or Usher, yeah. Was it? I think it was Usher. Yeah, 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 but even Little John goes, yeah, 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 that's his whole catchphrase, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you can't get, you're not going to get away with it Everyone's saying yeah repeatedly. Yeah. But this song in particular, it's the opening song of the Joshua Tree album, always just like, it's, this is my jam. Like, when you when people say, oh, it's my song, you know, this, this, this is, pro- this song just like takes me places. It makes me happy. I love, like, if I'm working out, this is the last one of the last songs on my playlist, depending on which one I'm listening to. It'll so, get you there. So it's like, oh, you know, I've got three minutes left. This is when you, uh, when the circle gets small on <laughs> Battlegrounds. <laughs> it's like, I gotta get there. And then, <laughs> no, ha- no happy endings. No happy endings in that game. Oh, well. <laughs> but yeah, that pretty much does it for this episode. So if you're not a YouTube fan and you made it this far, can- thanks. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, maybe some of these songs I listen, uh, I mentioned, if you've got Spotify, you can go make you a playlist and give them another shot. I'm, I promise yeah. you, no matter no matter what your musical tastes are, there's a, there's at least a song or two that, that you cannot argue with me that isn't fantastic. And I want, you know, and that, that goes for a lot of bands. Yeah. Metallica, Pearl Jam, just to name a few. Simon and Garfunkel. I'm trying to think of some other various genres of music. Bob Dylan, whether you love or hate him, there's, there's undeniably some songs that are just fantastic. And despite what you think of Bono as a person, because that tends over—that's what most people tend, younger people tend to think, because that's all they know now is like that Bono, right? Not the angry, writing songs about real like issues that were going on in Ireland and personal issues at the time, and that's one thing that will never change. The lyrics, the music on the Joshua Tree, on War, on the Unforgettable Fire, on Actung Baby—that's never going anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's always there. It's always there for me personally, and if you're a YouTube fan, it's always there for you too. Ha <laughs> ha. Whatever. Never heard that one. <laughs> I'm sure they haven't either. <laughs> well, that does it for this episode. I'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be back, I should say, next week because we'll both be back from Dallas. Yep. So, uh, well, anyway, we assume but, we will be. Hopefully. Oh, yeah. Don't jinx it. I don't want, yeah. you know. Trey was assassinated in Dealey Plaza <laughs> by an angry person who hates you, too. <laughs> but, oh, uh, yeah, so we'll be back. I don't know what movie we're going to do, but I'll post it on Twitter when I figure it out. I got to watch something first. Send your suggestions, 80sRevisited at gmail.com. Or tweet us at 80sRevisited and at Awesome Pods on Facebook and the internet. Twitter as well. And the internet, yeah. Anyway, you know know how to reach us. You've listened this long. You know what's up. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, follow us there, and I'll let you know what we're doing next week so you can do your homework. And uh, no emails for this week because we record two at a time. We read it last time. (laughs) Uh, To cover all this, uh, don't forget our friends... Uh, now vs. Nostalgia John and James like I mentioned uh, Phil Joanne who directed 3 O'Clock High and they actually have an episode on that film I've never seen that film hmm. uh, and when they were talking I was like oh I added it to my list like mental list and then forgot about it <laughs> so I gotta add it to my list to make sure I watch it and as always our friends in Tasmania Ben the Tasmanian Devil Wyatt with the Asiabania podcast you're on our heels Ben this is episode 180 I know you're right behind us so <laughs> it's a race uh, or is it a race well he did cheat by releasing all those episodes like well daily or whatever we did. could cheat too oh, yeah, so that's i mean it's true but stay tuned for our 5 minute episodes <laughs> coming in august hey no. guys this is, our, this is our review for this one movie uh, it was good see you next yeah. time <laughs> we're going to revisit all the all the movies 180, we did and yeah. just like yeah, this is an update this five is a revisit of a revisit yeah like we what was it we used to want to show oh daniel sports rewind that's right yeah, so that's gone. what we can do. Right, Asia visited, rewind. Yeah, we'll Big from a little China. Still great. 
Go See over you next episodes time. one through ten, at least. Yeah, get a get a ten head. So at least a that's ten, like twenty minute episode. <laughs> we, we can't we can't compromise that though no, because no, can't. you know Ben's a great guy and he might like oh well, they can't do that either I'm gonna do that too and then we're just gonna destroy our podcast yeah. to stay ahead of each other. Yeah, it's, it's not worth it. It isn't. It's not worth it. But you know what? As long as there's content to listen to from yeah. Ben or I mean, any we, other podcast you like, that's a good thing. So how long ago did this start? Like five years ago? <laughs> Four years ago? I don't remember. I don't remember, Jesse. <laughs> I was a young man then. Yeah. Now I'm old. But until next time, everybody, which again, if you want to know what is next time, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, all those fun places. Or send an email, and I'll tell you there. If you don't want to, you know, let Twitter know you're, what you're thinking. <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. So, till next time, everybody, I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Can't believe the news today I can't close my eyes Make it go away How long How long must we sing this song How long How long Tonight Bottles under our children's feet, but it's strewn across that dead end street. I won't heed the battle call, puts our back up, our back up against the wall. Sunday, bloody Sunday. Scorched earth
a cool song Is this the battle Jesus won on a Sunday, bloody Sunday Sunday, bloody Sunday On Facebook.com slash AwesomePods. And follow us on Twitter at AwesomePods. Pods.